Welcome to The Nix, where we talk about pop culture until we can't stand it anymore and we nix it. I'm Justin Hartung. And I'm Fanny Darling. As always, we're going to give you a quick warning that there might be spoilers for anything we talk about on this podcast, but we always do our best to let you know that they're coming. This week, we're talking about The Farewell, a new comedic family drama starring Aquafina. We've also got non-spoilery thoughts on the first half of the final season of Orange is the New Black. Also, we just watched the second night of the Democratic debates, and I'm all out of jokes. Okay, as always, we would love it if you rate and reviewed us on iTunes uh, or the podcast app of your choice. Um, Fanny, what did you do this week in pop culture? Well, let's see. It's actually been two weeks, and you were in New York, so I was left to my own defenses. So first I watched uh, Amazon's The Boys. This is what my notes say. Explosive up the butt. Jack Quaid's eerily... Uh, should we say spoilers for the boys? <laughs> well, that, that happens like but, in the first episode okay. and is in the trailer. So there's no, I'm trying to re- make these notes as unspoilery as possible. Okay. Maybe slight spoilers, but nothing huge. Uh, explosive up the butt, Jack Quaid's eerie resemblance to both his parents and yet neither of them because actually he looks like a young Bill Hader. Who's his other parent? Uh, Meg Ryan. Okay. Anthony Starr is great. I'm happy for you, Anthony Starr. It's beautifully shot. It's well acted. Uh, there's a head explosion. Plane trauma. A dolphin making sexual advances followed by... And I'm out. <laughs> I made it to episode four. I probably would have stopped at... Ex- episode. I mean, I made it to episode five. I probably would have stopped at episode four, except I started texting you about all the things that were upsetting me. <laughs> and episode four played. So... This show should be so much better than it actually ends up being. It's really, it's incredibly well acted. I'm so happy for Anthony Starr. Anthony Starr uh, was in Banshee, which is a show like four people watched, but I really enjoyed. I thought he was very good. Um, What's the show about, quickly, for anybody who doesn't know? Okay, The Boys is on Amazon. It is about superheroes have been corporatized and like each city has their own superheroes that they play pay hundreds of million dollars to this corporation for they they endorse everything from sea world to beer and surprisingly that makes them very corrupt and they're terrible people and then Carl Urban and Randy Quaid formed together to try and expose and take them down and or just kill them in a variety of increasingly ridiculous ways while shouting cunt. Um, and okay. you No, know, it's like said every 15 minutes. Carl, Carl Urban is Kiwi, so that word does not carry with it the same feelings that Americans have about it. But it's it's a lot and it's very violent it's very dark, it's very cynical, and it's supposed to be giving us commentary on 
how terrible capitalism and corporatization of the American dream is. And all of that is actually very interesting, except for if you're 12 years old and you smoke a lot of pot. And so you try and come up with jokes that way. Seth Rogen, I'm looking at you. Yeah, I didn't see this, but the preview and I've read a little of the comic it made it look like it was wagging a finger at everything, but also like, isn't it fun to sort of get off on all of this? Yeah. Like, you know, I forgot the uh, mute Asian female character. Yeah, that's there's so much problematic about this, and it's sad because Elizabeth Shue is really good. She's like the lead uh, corporate woman who, you know, is in charge of of the entire corporation, and she's great. She's very cynical, and but. She carries this part off fabulously, and, you know, she she makes all of us that loved her in Adventures and Babysitting proud, and it really should be good. It, it does have a lot of components in it that I would have really gotten behind, but I just can't keep watching it. It, it just uh, continued to upset me and feel like they're just poking at the little wounds that, you know... You're supposed to go, it's like, you know, laughing when somebody says 69. Okay, we all do it, but can we not make a television show about it? And there's so much more that could be done. It makes me a little sad. That's a, it's a waste of truly beautiful cinematography, very good writing. Like the actual dialogue is very good and the acting is great. I think that Jack Quaid is really good. And... Anthony Starr's great. Uh, the Aaron Moriarty, who plays like the wide-eyed new girl to the the super league, if you will, is great. And it just, it's too bad. So, and it's already renewed for season two, of course, before it even premiered. So I saw that. That's what happened with that. I watched Secret Obsession on Netflix. I watched this movie uh, because everyone talked about, oh, all the wacky twists and turns and you won't believe it and it'll keep you up at night. This is a Lifetime movie, you guys. The title sounds like it. (laughs) Right. It's just, and I felt bad for uh, Dennis Hasbert. It's just basically, oh, girl has amnesia. Husband takes her home to tend to her in their remote house. Oh, probably husband isn't who he says he is. It wasn't even interesting. Mm. It, was, it wasn't well acted. It was terribly written. I do not understand the buzz behind this. On the same, I do not understand the buzz behind this. Epics, who I have been singing their praises because of Perpetual Grace Limited, which continues to be great. By the way, really check out Perpetual Grace Limited on, on Epics. Do not check out Pennyworth. On epics. Pennyworth is about how Alfred Pennyworth... Do you even know who Alfred Pennyworth is? Only because we talked about this before. But But if I just said that name to you, would you say, oh, that's probably Alfred from Batman? Nope. I wouldn't. I know there are a lot of people that would. I would not. (laughs) And after you told me it, I would be like, why do I want to watch that? (laughs) Right. It's about how he got his start as apparently a badass like bodyguard and it's kind of in the swinging 60s in london and there's boobies and it's not good it sounds so bad I, I cannot believe that thing exists i didn't even make it through i made it through about 40 minutes of the first episode and we are not friends i will not keep watching this show he met uh batman's dad and Batman's dad has a troublesome sister who was, I don't know, shooting smack in some club in London. I think that's what was happening. 
it's not good. I think it's getting all kinds of buzz. I do not understand. It's, what are we going to get next? Um, Gandalf, the early years, colon, party at Sauron's. Okay, that was I, a deep cut for the nerds out there. I get it. But I think that's what, isn't that what Amazon's Tolkien thing is? Is that, is it really young no, it's Gandalf? Not, but... Okay. <laughs> um, I also uh, started watching on Netflix because they, uh, took it over from the CW when they probably rightfully canceled it, started watching Lucifer. This isn't a good show. This is a show that I will watch every single episode of. This has, like, Buffy bones. It is... Lucifer has come up from hell because he's tired of metting out punishments and he actually likes humans, except he's also kind of really bad. Like, he's a hedonist and he likes an id and, you know, and he, want, and he gets people to tell him they're, they're, like, worst or their most like deepest desires even if they're super dirty is this a new show or is it it's bits and it's going into its fifth season it got canceled after i think it's third season on the cw and netflix picked it up it okay. has a super big uh cult following people really fight for it they have announced that season five will be its last but there are 16 episodes instead of 10 nobody on this show can act it's horribly tropey but it's also just a lot of just pretty to look at fun um i'm pretty sure that the uh like the whoever does the soundtrack just went to spotify and said find me every song that has the word devil in it i i don't care what it's actually about <laughs> and then just put them all in don't like it <laughs> just That's put them not a fan all of that. in it is ridiculous <laughs> anyway i'm heavy into season one i will watch all of this then I switched to documentaries. Nice. I watched 12th and Delaware. This is a uh, documentary about an intersection in, I believe, Idaho, um, Potno, Indiana, where on one corner there is a women's health clinic that performs abortions, and on the other corner is a women's Christian center where they try and talk you out of getting abortions. That side of the street also tricks women into coming in thinking they are an abortion clinic and then oh, traps them in there God. and tries to talk them out of getting abortions. Wow. This was not an easy sit, but it was really good and very interesting and very sad. And where'd you watch that? Uh, that is on, I believe, Amazon. It could be through HBO on Amazon, okay. but I did watch it on my Amazon account. Uh, all, all of the documentaries except one are on Amazon. I watched Suited, uh, which is about a NYC tailor who had, he had decided that he was going to just get rich making suits for Wall Street guys. And he got a call one day from a person named Ray who said, I, I need a suit that makes me feel like myself and I'd like to come in. And uh, they suited Ray and all of a sudden, Ray came back and said, I would very much like to apprentice with you because you kind of changed my life and made me feel comfortable in my gender identity. And I want to give that to other people. And so what they do is they bring in, uh, they take fittings and make suits for the LGBTQ community that really work for them and send them out into the world feeling uh, good about themselves and who they are. Uh, they highlight about five clients and each one is very uplifting and also touching and also 
you know, sad. Some is of it, it is sad. Is it pretty much all trans men? Is that the uh, There was a trans or? woman as well, okay. and then just some gender queer where they don't yeah. want, you know, it's not yeah. all trans people at all. Okay. And it was great and so much fun and really a feel-good show. Uh, not Feel Good was Terror at the Mall, which is about the Westgate hijacking of the, the hijacking of Westgate Mall in Nairobi, told pretty much exclusively through uh, security footage, I, uh, first-hand accounts of the people that were there, and a war correspondent photographer who had uh, his friend called and said, oh, don't go down to Westgate, there's uh, something going on, there's lots of people dead, so he grabbed all of his cameras, of course, and ran down. Because he's, you know, a war correspondent. And he went in. The SWAT teams weren't going in to respond. It had been 90 minutes. Five plainclothes policemen and two men who just had concealed carry permits went into the mall to try and help people. And the war correspondent went with them. And so he has this, like, rapid fire photography that's also involved in a lot that you see a lot of. Um, he also helped the, one of the policemen when he got shot to get out uh, while he was apparently holding in his intestines. Um, By the time that the SWAT team went in, it had been like almost three hours. All of the civilian casualties were done and the plainclothes policemen and the two other armed men had basically gotten most of the people out. SWAT team shot three of the place uh, by accident, three of the plain, plain close policemen and killed one of them. <sighs> it, it's a very, I don't want to say uplifting movie, but there are so many of these firsthand accounts where they, it really does make you feel good about how people look out for each other. It was handled badly and it's not real easy to watch, but it strangely gave me this sense of, calm about humanity and huh. how we really do look out for each other it's worth watching it's not yeah. necessarily easy to watch it's a bad title too yeah it is i thought it was a you're gonna say it was some schlocky no not at all thing. not okay. at all um and then i watched on netflix the great hack which is about uh cambridge analytica and uh i can't think of her name the big woman who's presented herself as a whistleblower and there's kind of questions about is she just trying to save face and uh but mostly it's about exactly how much the companies like Cambridge Analytica and data collection companies are manufacturing our lives and our deciding how we think and are psychologically analyzing how to change our minds about things things and i'm now going to go live in a forest in ireland and i'm never picking up another electronic device again so goodbye i'm going off the grid (laughs) (laughs) it's really good it's terrifying and as much as the other one gave me hope and humanity, this one made me feel quite a bit of despair. And there was yelling at the TV. And, of course, you know, it talks a lot about the 2016 election and how that got very, very skewed, to put it as mildly as I can. But it's great. It is worth watching. And I started listening to a podcast uh, called You Must Remember This, which is all about weird, uh, like, kind of Hollywood things. Uh, Frances Farmer, and did you know that she didn't actually have a lobotomy? 
that that has just been stated so many times that people think it's true, and it's not. Francis Farmer did not have a lobotomy. Okay. I learned I'm that. I'm not sure I knew that. that. That was even a rumor. So. It, uh, it was, <laughs> okay. yes, it was like purported as fact okay. in a fake autobiography, and then it was like put in the movie that Jessica Lang was in. Oh, wow. And, and you know, like uh, Francis Farmer, I mean, sorry, uh, Nirvana guy, Kurt Cobain and, and Courtney Love, like they purported it because they thought that like Francis Farmer was where Courtney Love could end up being, you know, and so they, and she was from Seattle. And so that's part of the reason they named Francis Bean, Francis Bean. Anyway, she did not have a lobotomy. Okay. It's very interesting, like in depth, old Hollywood kind of like legends, but stories you may not have heard stuff about Douglas Fairbanks. And it's really interesting. They have an offshoot. That's a like 12 episodes on Manson which I know a lot about. It's a cult thing, you know, but because of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and trying to decide I was going to go see this, um, this has some Vanity Fair ties, and one of the women that was writing for Vanity Fair about um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood does this podcast, and um, I started listening to it, and what I didn't realize was all of the tiny little ways that Manson was connected to so much weirdness and Hollywood stuff. He hung out with Angela Lansbury's daughter. He met a girl at the hog farm here in Berkeley, which is Wavy Gravy's compound that I went to cast parties at. So I can't kind of, as much as I feel like, I don't want to give Charlie Manson's story any more, you know, like energy. I also kind of can't stop listening to it. It's very interesting. So where did you land on Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? Because I, we should probably bring up, we did not decide to go see Once Upon a, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Um, I, well, yeah, what, what are your, where are you landing? I mean, I will go see it. I am not in a hurry. I feel like that's how I am, too. Um, I need to prepare myself yeah. for the slaughter at the end, which I've heard is as disgusting as you'd imagine, and even more so. Um, right. Yeah. So. Uh, do you have you read? Okay. Can we go into spoilers here just for a minute? Because it's kind a true of, story. Yeah, well, it's. I don't want to talk about it. Right. It's yeah. Tarantino does his revisionist things, so it's a question of who is. Right. I don't. I'm not going to say either way, but right. I'm sure there is graphic. It's oh, just going uh, yeah. to be. Is it? You know. Is it what really happened? Is it what Tarantino has decided yeah. is going to happen? That kind of thing. I've just heard it's really revolting after yeah, oh, i'm sure it yeah, is he enjoys so, that but yeah anyway that's my pop culture for two weeks and i will now sit in the corner and talk no more <laughs> um i will be really short okay. <laughs> by comparison <laughs> so it all balanced out i had guests staying with me uh, from out of town for a good five six days and then i went to new york myself for a good five six days so that's where i've been and that's why we've been late uh, getting this up but i had a fabulous time in new york i saw all the good lovely people in new york uh miss you guys already and i did not even do a ton of pop culture i mostly just hung out and had some cocktails and chatted with people and ate some decent food and um i did go on a rant on facebook about the terrible produce in new york um yes he did <laughs> which i stand by even though it hurts some new yorkers feelings sorry new york your produce cannot hold a candle to california there's just no debate there um also i did manage to go see a this is a, kind of a funny story the national theater national theater i forget the name of the actual uh theater in london where They've been doing, I think it's over now, um, the this sort of famous director, Ivo Van Hove, did a uh, 
adaptation of All About Eve, the famous uh, movie uh, starring Betty Davis. And this role was played by uh, Gillian Anderson in this production. And the whole time I kept saying to people, oh, I'm going to see this uh, live broadcast of whatever because it said national theater live simulcast of whatever and i kept thinking oh yeah it's live i'm gonna go see it live it's just like being in theater and finally someone said you realize there's no way it could possibly be live right because it would be like 2 (laughs) a.m that they were doing this play (laughs) and i yeah uh, thought on that for a minute and decided that was right and then i read the fine print so first of all i'm gonna nix that damn website that was kept saying it was live so that i made a fool out of myself it wasn't live so thank was you it recorded much. live sure but what isn't recorded oh i guess there were no cuts <laughs> right it was just a single night shot or whatever um this was okay <laughs> after all that <laughs> And on top of it, it sucks. Yeah. I mean, Evo Van Hove is apparently this sort of, he does a lot of these adaptations of um, kind of campy things and tries to make them very serious and sort of add these sort of layers of uh, sort of modern social issues on top of it. This one was sort of striving towards some sort of feminism where Eve and, um, oh my God, what's the rival's name? I'm completely blanking. Um, but. The Betty famous Davis. Story of Eve. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, right. Eve and, hey, God, Dave's going to murder me for this. Um, but they basically are more sympathetic. I think you sort of end up feeling for them more both. Um, and then you end up, you know, ultimately landing on, you know, the main character, Jillian Anderson. Why can I not remember her goddamn name? This is so embarrassing. Keep vamping. <laughs> um, jet lag, jet lag, jet lag. Uh, but basically, it's. Um, yeah, it had a score by P.J. Harvey that was doom and gloom from the very beginning. It was trying to be very serious. You do not make All About Eve and, you know, take away the camp. It's just like... That's, Margot. Margot. Ugh. It is a weird name to remember. I don't yeah. know why. Um, yeah. It was very self-serious and not at all fun. Uh, well, there, the whole point of is bumpy is buckle up. It's going to be a bumpy night. Yeah. I mean, it's, and Julian Anderson, while fine and continues to do a killer in, uh, American accent, she um, just was kind of doing her best Betty Davis impression. But and, she has an American accent. What do you mean? No, she, does, she speaks naturally in a British accent. She's lived there forever, but she was born and raised in America. She does a really good British accent, but she is American. But when she speaks, she has a British accent. Her she, normal speaking voice in any interview you ever see of her. Well, only in um, the last... I don't know if that's true. Um, I think she was born in England. I'll check it. All right, ahead. we'll check it. Um <laughs> I'm not. I'm not trying to risk the goat here, mm-hmm, but I mm-hmm, certainly mm-hmm. have seen many an interview with her. I I, un- I agree with that. She was yeah. born and raised in Chicago. Interesting, but until how long? Uh, let's see. On a film, go ahead. Let me find this, out. This is the next where we look up pop culture <laughs> until we nix ourselves. <laughs> Keep um, talking. I will find out. Uh, the other thing I wanted to talk about was it's a combination news uh, new song Slater Kinney, one of my favorite bands of all time. The uh, great. Uh, right girl i hate that name band from the 90s who've been making some of the best albums of the past uh, 20 years easily they just uh are about to release a new album uh the first after their kind of comeback album from from a few years ago they partnered with saint vincent um who is a very um kind of unusual person for them to be partnering with because she specializes more in kind of rhythmic sort of funky electronic stuff. Um, It's a weird mix, and I was a little dubious about it to begin with. I heard a couple of the first 
singles they released. I was not happy. I love this band. I've never really been meh on anything they've ever done. And these first two or three songs just left me really cold. Um, then on top of that, Janet Weiss is their drummer. Um, one of the best drummers alive um, and a badass you know, woman in her 40s who's just literally one of the best drummers alive. She left. She said she was not you know, kind of on board with the uh, direction the band was going. There's Everybody's swirling around now with what happened, uh, whether it was uh, maybe some, you know, this St. Vincent uh, relationship was maybe just taking a toll on her. Uh, They had a tour planned, and basically so many people are furious now um, because they paid to see Slater Kinney, and nobody wants to see a fake drummer at the last minute. So I feel for the women that are still in the band. I'm very curious what the story is, if it ever comes out, why she actually left. All of that said, um, I was, you know, down on the whole thing and feeling really bummed about it. And then I heard finally that I think the fourth single they've released off this album. It is uh, called Can I Go On? It features lead vocals by Carrie Brownstein of Portlandia fame, um, who has gotten a little more showcase in the band as the years have gone on. This song is sort of if you are going to do a Slater Kinney St. Vincent combination, this is how I want it to sound. Uh, the album's coming out soon, and so I will probably have further thoughts on it because I'm st- still kind of obsessed with anything they do and will have uh, something to say about it. But this is Can I Go On from Slater Kinney's uh, forthcoming album, The Future at uh, the Center Can't Hold. Uh, let's take a lesson. Slater Kinney, Can I Go On, uh, a song uh, lyric that has an extra meaning now. Without Janet Weiss, can they go on? Um, we'll see. Um, stay tuned, folks. That was really cheesy. I apologize. <laughs> um, <laughs> I kind of enjoyed it. but uh, Should we talk about Orange is the New Black? Sure, why not? Um, so we're going to just talk about the first half of this. This is the seventh season of the Netflix show. And final. And final. Um I yeah this I think we'll set a little context here by saying that uh this show I think a lot of people have criticized and bailed out on kind of midpoint I've heard a lot of grumblings about it uh Fanny and I talked both last season about how we thought it actually was sort of uh, on the upward tick and how we were still very interested in what was happening uh this season follows up the um uh basically the uh, my God, I cannot think tonight. The judgment in Tasty's case about um, shooting a cop, which right. she was not. That's spoilers from last season of Orange right. is the Blackout, obviously. Um, and the season left off with the introduction of 
uh, sort of an ICE uh, immigration storyline. So without going into spoilers, um, but talking as generally as we can, this will be a little tricky because yeah. it's such a show you want to talk about specifics. Right. And we're going to, as we said at the top, we're going to talk more in detail. We're going to give everyone a chance to make sure they've seen it. And we'll pick it up next week and talk more about details. But how are you enjoying this new season? It's hard to say that something that is on a pretty regular basis in each episode punching me in the gut is good, <laughs> but I I really think this show is incredibly smart. I think it is way more layered and nuanced than people give it credit for. I think it's depth of character uh, and its willingness to really go deep on those characters is somewhat unprecedented, especially in like Netflix kind of like, you know, oh, it's funny and it's an ensemble and, you know, and, and this kind of, I, I know it's always been prestige, but it's also, I, I think it doesn't necessarily get a lot of credit for the subtlety of st- character study and of understanding the depth and the layers of the characters and their relationship to each other that it has. I think this show is really, really special and I am really pleased with this season. I feel like they are knocking it out of the park and I feel like on on top of that, it feels all very planned. Like none of this is happening by accident. What did you think? Uh, you just said it so well that my jet lag brain can probably not do a thing to um, add to it. But um, I love this show. I, I, I get why people were dissatisfied sort of in the middle run. It did seem like it was floundering a little bit and they were introducing some new characters. And the flashbacks had definitely gotten cheesy. Sure. Um, and there, I'm still sometimes annoyed by the flashback structure, which is still there in the end. It does sometimes feel like you know, a little bit of a burden to the show that they've stuck with that. Um, But I will say now they don't treat them so um, like this is so-and-so's episode. It sort of jumps around a little more freely with the flashbacks. Right. And I think that was a smart move. Like it just sort of goes in and out of memory and, and present um, in a new way this season. Right. It's not so much like, you know, there's not so much of the Scooby-Doo and now we're going back to where everybody has a wig on and yeah. And And you don't get the message. Yeah. And you don't write, you don't feel like you have to have these two separate full storylines, which I'm sure was hard to do every week about the same person. You'd essentially had to have two storylines. Now it really is this sort of, it's let go of that episode by episode format, which I think in the early season, like the first season, especially it was really good at, I mean, that first season is a masterpiece. Oh yeah. Individual episodes being really strong. And I I think, and that was so important at the beginning because there's so many characters to really know who you're dealing with. That was a good idea at the beginning. Yeah. And now, now, though, it's so good about paying service to so many characters in a way that I don't know that I've ever seen a show do. I mean, no. people talk about The Wire and shows like that that mm-hmm. I haven't seen and really given a chance. But like, The I Wire is brilliant. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But it, right. I, I think this show is doing yes. equally good work. At, yeah. Well, equally, I don't know because I didn't see it. But I, from what I've heard about The Wire, I feel like this is doing what people talk about. Right. Um, what I think. This show is incredibly good at, and it's a complaint that I've heard you say about other shows, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, that we've watched is 
and it's very specifically because it's in a prison and so they don't have to pull any punches or, or find any wacky hijinks to make it happen. They're really good at putting two characters together that you wouldn't necessarily and then just like know that wouldn't know each other in the real world or wouldn't interact in the, you know, in the office place or whatever. And then waiting to see what happens without having to pull any weird machinations that you, that make you not believe it. It's a really nice place to put two or three characters in the same room that wouldn't interact in regular life and watch what happens. And I appreciate that this is happening because of, you know, prison, but I think it's brilliant and I love to watch the way they do that. You know, they just switch it up and okay, now these two people are together. What would happen? And it gives all the characters even a little bit more depth and you get a little bit more information about them because you see how they would respond to somebody that they wouldn't come upon in their regular life. And the way they do that is so smart. It's bottle episode, the series. Right? <laughs> Without no, I'm, I'm, feeling I'm like that. Exactly. You know, it's and, so But they're so good at sometimes they'll get, and I feel like they're doing it a lot in this season, where they'll just kind of throw those two characters together because they think, well, these two characters haven't really interacted. What would that interaction be like? And sometimes there's just a little glancing off each other or a little tension or a little humor and then they just kind of bounce off each other and you don't you don't have to expect that then this is going to be like a whole season thing they really think practically about the way people interact in real life right. um you know you don't you don't have deep interactions with everybody and you don't only right. hang out with certain people like it's exactly. uh, yeah um it's so good and the other thing i want to talk about is the tone uh i've read a lot of criticisms and heard a lot of criticisms from people about it's sort of whiplash, um, kind of comedy satire and gut punch, sort of socially sort of uh, focused drama. Um, I mean, I, that's never bothered me, really. I, I can see why in those middle seasons that it was kind of the balance was a little off or something. Right. I will say this season, they are going bleak. Uh, we'll talk about it more next week. But these storylines so far are dark. <laughs> right. Um, and they feel dark in a way, like you were saying, that. You know, it's the show has been so far about, you know, horror so kind of deep and existential and, and sort of unjust. Um, all you can do is sort of crack wise about it. And it's sort of, this season sort of feels like, what do you do when there's the jokes are gone? And um, I don't know. It's uh, it's moving so far. <laughs> it's like, no, it's um, incredibly I, moving. Yeah. So, wow, you guys keep watching the show. I saw someone tweeting. Are people still watching this? And it was somebody that's very well respected on Twitter and has a lot of following. And I, it was just like, mm. you're clearly, like you said, Vanny, you're clearly not. Like, right. if you're just dismissing it like that, like, I don't think people are paying attention to how smart and uh, consistent the show is in a way. Yeah, um, if you'd watched two episodes of the season, you wouldn't be saying that. Yeah. It's just the, oh, people still like, huh, that yeah. show about the panties in prison? Yeah, who's still watching? Shut up. Exactly. <laughs> go yeah. go somewhere else. Be hateful somewhere else. Yeah. So more thoughts, more details. We want to really want to get into the characters. The only thing I'll say character-wise uh, is, uh, I don't know if I'm saying her name right, Salinas uh, Leva as uh, Gloria um, Mendoza, my favorite character on the show. And so give that woman an Emmy now. No, they never, I don't think, has she ever been nominated? so good i don't know but she, she is so she's good. incredible I, I really love her um should we talk about the farewell yeah what's the farewell about 
Uh, okay, Farewell is Aquafina, who you said you know her, her true yes, name? Yes, I looked up her real name, Nora Lun. I, th- I hope I'm getting that right. God, I hope I didn't botch that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Aquafina stars in this comedic drama from Lulu Wang about a Chinese-American woman from New York who struggles with her family's decision to lie to her grandmother about her grandmother's cancer diagnosis and the family party that ensues. <laughs> What'd you think, Justin? This was such a interesting movie. Like, it sort of caught me off guard by... I mean, it got a lot of hype. I think it was a big festival hit. It was A24. And I was going into it being sort of prepared to be sobbing and very emotional. And it is weirdly quiet and subtle. And um, it is funny, but gently funny. Uh, I think Aquafina proves herself completely worthy of her star uh, sort of ascending. She is so good in this, and they use her sort of comedy skills in a really interesting way. They feel very real and very small, and the relationships that they build with her family feel so real. The scenes with her sort of showing her love for her grandmother and feeling conflicted about kind of not telling her the truth are moving but also really hilarious um but it's it's oddly it, it really pulls back from catharsis at so many moments and, and in some ways i'd say that's the the theme of the movie it's sort of um you know doesn't it's sort of all about pulling back and not giving you the release you need and what and what that means um but i i generally liked it and would highly recommend it um i don't think it i don't know that it'll like end up on like my top 10 list of the year but um I, I think it's worth seeing um, for a lot of reasons. Uh, what did you think? I feel like you just stole every word out <laughs> of my mouth. Um, I I have actually said it won't end up on my top ten. I It wasn't exactly the movie I thought it was going to be, like the feeling, the emotions, the, the what I was expecting to feel in the theater didn't happen. Um, that said, I do recommend it. I do think even from her very posture that Aquafina really understood the character that she was playing and the family that she was in, and I think she's incredibly talented. I thought the rest of the cast was very good. The father has the unfortunate distinction of playing, uh, have, having played a villain on 24, so that was a little <laughs> odd for me because he tortured Jack Bauer for years, but... That's my own hold up, hang up. And it, it took me a minute. I was like, oh, where did I? Oh, um, but he was also very good. Um, I thought the gentleman that played her cousin was was oh, good. That was great. Um, that stuff. It's oddly funny, too. All that stuff right. with the cousin is very weird I mean, weird he broke your heart, but also it was odd. And um, there was one very quiet scene there at the end where she's with the grandmother and the grandmother is basically telling her, you know, you're going to go, go. You know, you're going to go home and then you're going to come back. And and I am right now in the process of saying goodbye to someone who's just moving out of state. Uh, you know, my sister has moved. And that scene was the first one where I was like, OK, so this feels like it's talking to me. Um, and I thought that was probably my favorite and the, the kind of most intimate scene between the two of them that said a lot in, in the film itself. Um that said, I... well, without without going into spoilers, I will say 
Right. This movie is very clearly naturally building towards will the grandmother find out. Um, Right. And the movie resists that. Yes. In interesting ways, which is apparently a true story, which it's based on. Right. Um, And leaves some ambiguity. I mean, I feel like this is borderline spoilers. Um, Should I just get into spoilers? Yeah, we should probably just go there. Let's just do a little spoilers for The Farewell. Ha! It's a great movie. Um, Yeah, one one ha, two ha, (laughs) three ha. There's some great ha's in the movie. Um, I love that. Yeah, I did too. (laughs) did Did you get the impression that the grandmother knew? Was that the sort of... There was a weird, slight, subtle thing at the end. Right, where, you know... Like, the way she said goodbye to them felt... Right. Like she expected to never see them again. Right. Yeah. Agreed. Now, did you get the feeling that the movie had a different ending than what than the real life i haven't looked it up i assumed it was true okay no no no, no. Okay. i understand that the that the real life grandmother right is still alive mm-hmm. and has been alive for six years since her diagnosis and good job nine nine but did you get the feeling that the fictionalized version was trying to say something different oh i see what you're saying like that no that, that I mean, very the 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 very dramatic birds and the ha right. and the, you know, it felt like I felt like that was very then to follow up with the, it was very final. And then with a, to follow up with a picture of the grandmother who is still alive. Yeah. It made everybody's heart a little lighter, right? but I didn't feel like it really lined up with that strange ending scene yeah. that really gave the impression of someone's soul going up yeah. and almost in a joyous way. Right. And I and I liked that that joyous release yeah. of I, I give you back right and I thought that was wonderful and then to know that the grandmother still was still alive was also joyous and wonderful but it was jarring but it I didn't felt, feel like they matched yeah I know what you mean that's really interesting um, yeah I wonder it might be fun to like read a little more right. about what her kind of intentions were there um, I did. I liked, I love how much, and this is whole Aquafina's whole thing is sort of one foot in each culture. Right. I think it also really did a fantastic job of sort of portraying that and her looking at things from the opposite side of the the thing, but also never feeling totally at place in one thing or the other. I really thought it was a terrific performance. Oh, I did too. I Um, mean, there's scenes where she's with her American friends and doing her American, you know, like going to a party and stuff after and you're like, oh... She's not comfortable here either. Yeah. And I thought that it kind of did that with a lot of the characters. It did it with the brother who had been in Japan. Oh, yeah. It did it with the the sister, the auntie, who was there and planning to send her son to America. Right. But also very against America. I thought it did, or American culture. I thought it did a good job of showing everybody's two feet. Yeah. And... There's a really good wedding scene, too. That's yeah. a really great set piece that's yeah. funny and weird and doesn't go anywhere where you expect it right, to go. Right, at all. Um, I mean, I really do think that this movie is right under like that top level for me. It right. was almost there, and I really, really recommend it. I, um, I absolutely recommend yeah. it, and the more I talk, the more layered I'm feeling like it is. I just, as I was sitting in it, I was like kind of waiting for the there to be there. Exactly. I had the same response. I was um, like, I'm not not enjoying myself but i want to be here i want to be two steps up from where i am yep interesting um should we wrap it up yeah i think i think we should let you go to sleep that's what i think we should do it's midnight for you yep 
Um, you can, yeah, talk if to you still are awake because it is not New York time, find us on Facebook. You can search for the Knicks podcast. Find us on Twitter at the Knicks podcast. Send us an email, motion to Knicks at gmail.com. You can find me, myself, and I at Fanny V. Darling. And I'm at Justin Hardung on Twitter. Have a good night. <laughs>